Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Back, Colin White sits it ahead for Zach Sanford, shoots, scores! Sanford whistles one by Vasilevsky, and it's 2-0, three minutes and 43 seconds in. Oh, baby. What a three minutes and 43 seconds that was. After that, though, eh, not so much. Tampa kind of took things over from there. That's Gord Miller with a call on TSN. Welcome to the show. Here is what's trending in Sens Nation. The Sens go 0-2 with losses to Montreal and Tampa. You almost have to laugh as the Sens' bad luck continues. The flu bug hitting hard. Sens with a beauty road trip right now. Well, they consulted their travel agent before this road trip, and it opens up with a loss in Tampa. Thanks for being here, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you enjoy the show. It is Steve along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, coach? Oh, Steve, it started out well tonight, didn't it? It looked real good real early, huh? It sure did, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a 2 nothing lead, as we expected. Maybe a team that was low in energy with this flu bug that's apparently hit eight or nine guys on the team so I expected them to come out limping out of the gate, but they absolutely were flying second shift. They were just forechecking the heck out of the lightning, and they uh, they score there, and then they get another one later on. It's 2 nothing, And uh, at that stage of the game, Tampa just kind of physically took the game over, didn't they? Yeah, just physically and skill. Like, my God, they're good, huh? And then you can't be giving up uh, power plays. You just cannot be taking penalties. Even if you kill them, it drains you. It it limits the number of guys who are on the ice and in the game. And that they started taking them in the first period. And, and right away, guys who probably aren't even really feeling like they're 100% into the game yet are now sitting on the bench waiting, watching other guys kill penalties. It just It's only a matter of time before Tampa's going to, before Stammer's going to get the one tee from the, from the Ovechkin spot over there. And, and uh, I mean, that's exactly what happened. The power play took over. Yeah. The lightning skill took over. And you lose. Not only are they uber skilled, but they clearly work on it an absolute ton. Like they've got Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, Hedman, and Killorn on their number one unit. And they chuck that puck around. The way they do it, I'm like, I, I don't, I just don't, I, I think they're going to three-peat, Greg. I really do. I think they're going to three-peat. During the one power play goal, the, the, the backhand pass cross ice from, uh, the Stamkos goal. It was a Kuznetsov who threw it across on the backhand pass. Um, Kucherov. Kucherov, sorry. Uh, the pressure that Ottawa was trying to apply, like there was immediate pressure on Stammer on the half wall. He fed it to Hedman. There was immediate pressure to him. It went down in the corner. There was immediate pressure. Like that's what you need to do, right? You need to pressure people. So if you're the team on the power play, you need to change the point of attack. The point of attack being where the puck is. You need to quickly change the point of attack. That's the difference between Ottawa and Tampa on the power play. Tampa changes the point of attack with a crisp tape-to-tape pass, maybe even a second one and a third one, often one-touched, whereas Ottawa changes the point of attack, or did tonight anyway, by a rim, you know, a rim around the boards, or flip it into the corner where nobody is and hope we can win a 50-50 and get it back. That was the difference tonight. Just the crispness of the puck movement 
by the Tampa Bay Lightning on the power play is very, very impressive. But ironically, you know, the skill absolutely was a massive part of that win. But I would say that the turnaround came when Tampa Bay motivated themselves. They got their blood flowing by basically starting to muck it up, getting really physical. And uh, Chernak, Eric Chernak, he's a guy we talked about in um, past seasons, about a guy that that's a, that's a guy that any team would like to have on the back. He's strong as an ox. He's an SOB. And he was really in Brady Kachuk's face from the get-go, from pretty much start to finish. And he was in other guys' faces as well. The, the Foreman's and Sorelli fight at the end, probably Chernak that started that thing. Um, so it, it just that's kind of how Tampa Bay got their, got their blood boiling. And that's, that's, that's really the big reason why the skill came out to shine, because it started mattering to them. And they really came out and started taking it to them. And the puck possession took over from there. Yeah, I, I, Ottawa bruised their pride in the first four minutes of the game. Right. And then it's, it's, it's a, a veteran team. It's a championship team. It's a, a, you know, a top three team in the league year in and year out. It's a veteran coach, all of those factors. Uh, and then of course the fact that they can play any game, any way you want to play it, all of those factors come into play and it's like, okay, boys, let's wake up here. Let's put our, our hard hats on and our work boots. We're going to have to muck it out for a little bit here. And, bang, suddenly they're getting physical with Ottawa. And then eventually they score goals off of gorgeous little skill plays. But it, you're, you're absolutely right. It was the, the physicality turned up a notch halfway through that first period. And there was no answer from the Senators. I was watching the Tampa Bay feed on Ballet Sports. It was weird to hear Dave Randorf, Randorf um, on a non-Canadian feed, but he's the play-by-play guy down there. And they yes. kept talking about Chernak again and again because – that's a guy that generally doesn't mind dropping the gloves when he needs to. But in the outdoor game, I guess he got absolutely hammered. I think it was uh, Johansson that caught him with a high hit to the head. It kind of makes you, because they kept apologizing for Chernak for mucking it up, but not dropping the gloves. And they said that was the reason for it. To me, if, if that's the case, you probably shouldn't be in a hockey game if you're dealing with a head issue. But out of the game-winning goal, which was the third one by Stamkos, it was a bit controversial for me because Chernak takes a run at Brady Kachuk and they'd been running at each other through most of the game to that point. And so Josh Brown came over and wasn't real happy that Chernak was taking a run at Kachuk. So he goes after Chernak and then Maroon comes in and shoves Chernak out of the way and gets in the fight with Josh Brown. And everybody then broke off and I, I said, okay, that's a wash. That's nothing. Referee gives a power play out. Stamco scores on that power play, and that ends up being the winning goal on the night. Um, did did you were you able to make rhyme or reason of why the Sens yeah. came out of that thing with a freaking shorthanded situation? Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. I was I'm, I'm watching it, and and as I'm they're showing the four players in the penalty box, and they're all jawing at each other, and then all of a sudden Godet hops into the box, and I'm like, somebody got an extra deuce out of this. Yeah. So I I. I it was Brown, obviously, for for roughing, I guess, when he first yep. entered into the fray with Chernak. But at one point, Brady Kachuk ended up behind the net, pulling Chernak off of somebody while still shoving somebody with his <laughs> other arm. You know, he had like two guys going there. So I just, it, it, strange call. Um, you'd think that, uh, that I don't know, it seems like you'd want to give the benefit of the doubt to the 
lesser skilled team. You know, this is the team with the lesser chance to win this game. We don't need to be making it tougher on them. And you think they get the benefit of the doubt, but it just didn't seem to happen. I wanted to make a bigger deal of this, but I really don't think it was that big a factor when all was said and done. Tampa just took the game over the puck possession, the physicality, and, and, you know, it probably factored in as well. The flu bug that's going around. My God, Greg, I mean, can anything else go wrong for this team? Like, have you ever seen a pro team, an NHL team, have all the disasters that have hit the Ottawa Senators? Now they have a flu bug on eight or nine guys. What we have Thomas Shabbat saying, (laughs) he gave us a little too much information that it was coming out of both ends of me at one point. I lost 13 pounds. Have you ever seen a team have to deal with so much? It's crazy, right? Like we we talked about this back earlier in the season when the, when the COVID hit and they were forced to keep playing, when they finally got up to 10 or 11 players out with COVID, they were finally allowed to shut down. And every team thereafter got to shut down long before they got to 10 or 11 players. Um, I mean, they suffered through that. They've suffered through all these ridiculous injuries to key, key players. Um, You know, and now you've got this crap going on. Like I just, Man, I, they just they, they must be sitting there scratching their heads saying, can we just get this over with and start a fresh new year next season? Yeah, yeah for sure. Still th- over 30 games, 30, 31 games, something like that to go. Colin White was one bit of good news in terms of, okay, that's something positive. He got back for the Montreal game after missing the entire season with that shoulder injury. He ends up scoring. He hits the post, I think, on one of his first shifts and then scores the only goal as the Sens fell 2-1 to the Montreal Canadiens at the CTC. And uh, I don't know that I noticed him a ton tonight, but they're certainly giving him every opportunity to find his way. Everybody thought, okay, this is a guy that's probably a good chance to be a buyout this summer, but the Sens really want to give him an opportunity to show his wares. He gets to play most of the game tonight in between Brady Kachuk and Zach Sanford. What have you thought of his performance in these first two games back? Uh, he was better in the first game, I thought, the Montreal game. He he, and that that's probably to be expected, right? He's he's fired up and and finds his energy to play that game. Uh, but I, he was not as strong tonight. Um, it was nice to see him score a goal. You know, it was nice to see somebody finish, right? Like that was a goal scoring opportunity, a point blank shot in the slot off a of one t. You know, that's a that's a goal scoring goal. And that's something that's been lacking here is a, a, a good finish from guys. It, it seems that most of the goals they score lately are dirty nose goals. Um, so that was nice. And I thought he played well. And he played, what, about 15, 16 minutes? Um, tonight, he, he was not as noticeable to me. I, I don't know. What did you think of him tonight? No, I didn't think he was nearly as noticeable as he was in the Montreal game. In the Montreal game, I was going, well, you know what? He'll be he'll still be a little overpaid, but if you can bring this on a nightly basis, then maybe you've got something. Right, the Sanford goal, he got an apple tonight. Uh, he was driving up the middle of the ice, and it was like, oh, my God, who is that? He looked so sluggish. Like, I almost thought it was Igor Sokolov there for a minute. You know, he looked heavy and slow and got caught from behind rather easily and just sort of managed to swipe the puck with his stick, and Sanford ended up scoring a goal. But I th- it, it reminded me that he's not exactly very quick fleet of foot either, is he? I don't mind his speed. I I, I mean, he's not like the top. He's not Formington or anything like that. He, he's, I, I wonder if he, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if he's thinking the game too much. And, and you know, and, and instead of just sort of letting her fly. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's to be expected, though. The raw energy you'd have after finally getting back in the lineup, how excited he must have been against Montreal versus, okay, here we go. Now we're into the slog of this thing. And who knows, he might be one of the eight or nine guys who's dealing with a bug as well. So true. uh, hard to say for sure. Again, he had Kachuk on his left wing. And I wanted to bring up one more thing about Kachuk in that it wouldn't surprise me a bit if John Cooper had it in the back of his head, maybe wrote it on the whiteboard. You know what? The Sens don't have a lot of uh, skill, guys. I think we can goad Brady Kachuk mm-hmm. into some penalties here tonight. Like It seemed like at every turn they were trying to get Kachuk involved, knowing that he's not going to back down from anybody. Corey Perry got him off the ice early. I was thinking John Cooper's loving that. He'll take that trade off all day long. Is that is that a concern for you? I mean, we don't want to dial back Brady Kachuk in any way, shape, or form, but at the same time, you want him on the freaking ice, and it seems like he's at the risk of taking a at least a double roughing scenario on uh, every other shift out there. It's a fine line that he needs to walk between uh, you know a team cop and important offensive player. You know, he he, he almost needs to tone it down. Uh, I, it's funny you mentioned you. You said maybe they were targeting him. I thought it was the other way around. I thought for for early in the game, I thought, "Geez, Brady's got a bit of a burr in his saddle tonight. He seems pretty fired up there." And I, I thought maybe Brady was was the instigator of of a lot of it. But now I think about your point. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Here's a guy that you do some proper pre scout. You you know you can get under his skin and you can get him to take some penalties. Yeah, I think there was. Um... Going back to that moment where Chernak takes a run at Kachuk, well, obviously Kachuk can handle himself against Chernak if it comes down to it, but Josh Brown then rolls in, and we haven't seen nearly enough of that from Josh Brown Mm -hmm. this year. To me, that looked like a guy who was, I don't know, either thinking himself or was instructed by DJ Smith, you know what, let's 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 lighten the load on Kachuk there. I don't want him serving five-minute majors. If you can get in there and, uh, and take care of things for Kachuk, I'd appreciate that because that's 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 more of Josh Brown's role than it is Brady Kachuk's at the end of the day. But I, I'm so disappointed in this guy. Like Josh Brown is in this lineup because apparently he brings physicality, or toughness. Uh, you know, uh, he makes everybody feel more comfortable. I guess, but I, I'm I can't remember any big hits. Uh, I think there was one in the neutral zone one night that got some people excited. Uh, I don't, I can't think of a fight yet. Uh, has there been a fight? Like, I, I don't think so. Tonight's fight wasn't really a fight. I, he has not done the things that supposedly he does to get him into the lineup. I can't think of the opponent, but I know for a fact he's gotten into at least a couple. But okay. uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see more of it. I don't know. Maybe speak from a coach's perspective. You have success with a player and it was amazing. Now I'm thinking of the DJ Smith, Josh Brown situation. I wonder does DJ have blinders on little tunnel vision when it comes to Josh Brown back in junior, this was this guy's captain and they won a Memorial cup together. That's pretty special. That's stuff you'll remember for the rest of your life. And Josh Brown becomes available and the Sens get him after an okay season with the Florida Panthers. He comes in and it just seems like, I don't know, is that possible that a coach could just basically have tunnel vision for a particular player that he's had success with in the past? I believe it's possible, yes. But I also have to believe that there comes a point 
where even DJ has to realize, like, this guy's just not good enough. And I've got to believe that the, the fact that he's still playing, still getting the minutes, still getting dressed every night or as often as he does, I have to believe that management must think he's effective as well, right? Like, there's no way in the National Hockey League that a guy in his third year in the, in the, in the league as a coach it has that much sway to say, no, this guy plays because, you know, I loved him in junior. It just, I can, I can see his, his uh, affiliation with the player uh, playing a role in him getting here in the first place. I can see his affiliation with the player getting him a role in getting the guy on the ice and dressing and playing. But at a certain point in time, somebody with some type of smarts has to go, wait a minute, buddy, this guy can't play here. I'm thinking back, Greg, to a movie from the 1980s. It was called My Bodyguard, and the gist of it was, the plot was, it's a kid in high school, not very big, but he was smart. And then he befriended this big giant guy in high school who wasn't that smart, and the two of them together, they were really an imposing force on the high school playground. I'm thinking Eric Brandstrom and Josh Brown. I'm thinking Brandstrom and Bra- if he if he had Brown's physicality and strength, what a player he would be. But did he not, Eric Brandstrom I'm talking about, did he not look physically overmatched tonight against the Lightning? He looked, yeah, he did not have a good game. Uh, uh, he's you're, you're pairing him with Josh Brown, so it's bingo, your 5-6 pair. So you get Maroon and Perry and, uh, damn, I can't remember the other guy's name now. You get that line all night, and you could see it. Like, uh, Brandstrom just cannot contain any of those big bodies, especially in front of the net. I look at the at the Perry goal. Brandstrom has bad body position. He, he He's not, there's no leverage there. He just can't move people out from in front of the net. He can't move people off a puck when there's a rebound. He can't box out and allow somebody else to come in and grab a rebound because he's just not physically strong enough. So, okay, what kind of game does he play? Well, he's a puck mover and he's, you know, supposedly has good feet, but then he's got an anchor as a partner. So even that part, you can't, he doesn't get a chance to showcase that part of his game. He's really in a tough situation. Um, But of course, part of it is due to the fact that he's just not quite good enough. Yeah, I, 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 I certainly am concerned about the size factor because it's not about what's happening in, the month of March, boy, isn't it nice that it's March? I love that we've turned the calendar <laughs> on that. It's more about what happens in the playoffs. And what we saw tonight from Tampa Bay, that gave you a good sense of what Eric Brandstrom is going to be able to do in the playoffs. You have an elite team that's willing to muck it up, and they have good size, they're strong, and I'm concerned about the Brandstrom uh, strength factor and size factor. We all had that concern, but tonight was a – a pretty strong reminder of what could be come the postseason, and I think that'll really help the organization make some decisions on this player. I still like his work with the puck, but not when the going gets tough. I really don't think it's there, to be honest, and uh, that's the first time I've said that. I've kind of been up and down on the Brandstrom bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought fairly recently, okay, this guy's starting to come. He's starting to get some confidence. Here we go. And now I'm kind of (laughs) wondering. Well, I mean, the other thing is, where does he fit in the depth chart a year from now? 
Um, so that's where you're looking at Lassie Thompson. You're looking at uh, Jacob Bernard Docker. You're looking at Sanderson. You know, I just don't see the guy having a spot. And it's we've said this before. It's about projections. You've seen enough of him now to project to what you think he can be. You just need to see enough of JBD and Sanderson and Lassie Thompson to project where they're going to be. And you and I, amateur scouts that we are, project all those three guys being ahead of Brandstrom, in which case, let's get rid of the guy now if there's any value to him at all. Maybe Vegas still likes him. Maybe we can <laughs> do that deal. Anyway, we'll see. It's uh, There's still a long way to go before the trade deadline. Still have three weeks to go. I feel like this could be a pretty good Atlantic Division rivalry in a couple of years. That's really some of the most emotion I've seen in a Sens game in many games. I could see in a year or two when Tampa starts to not fade completely, but starts to fade and the Sens start to surge. I think that could be a really neat rivalry to watch moving forward. Yeah, I could see it turning into a a, a historic comparison to the to the Leafs and the Sens. It was like, we got a good team this year. We're going to get by Toronto. I could see it being one of those things a couple of years from now where they, they got to get by Tampa. They got to get by Tampa. And then one of those years, they're finally going to beat them and, and break through because you know that somebody else will knock off the Leafs in the first round and then everything will be fine. The comparison, I, I think... Um, that pops to mind for me is early 80s. You'll remember this when the Oilers were just coming to the fore and they beat the Montreal Canadiens. It was best of five in the first round. They beat them three straight. What a shock that was. That would have been 80 or 81, the Sens or the, uh, the Habs just coming off of their dynasty years. I can see something like that happening in a couple of years' time. At least, I guess maybe that might be wishful thinking, but um, <laughs> I could see something like that happening at some point. Yeah, stage. but the division is so like now you've got. You've got Florida, you've got Tampa. Maybe Boston is on the way down. Whether we like them or not, you've got the Leafs. Like, it's a strong, strong division. I don't like the Leafs. Red Wings, on the other hand, I think uh, are also another team to be reckoned with, so you're quite right. The Atlantic is very strong, but I think the Sens would be very strong in a couple of years as well. When we return to the show, talk a little bit about Matt Murray and his performance of late. It's been very, very good, despite giving up five against Tampa Bay. First, though, I want to tell you about our title sponsor, Jim K. Ford. They are your home of the all-new Ford Maverick designed to seize the day. This beautiful truck is built for tough and gives you the best of both worlds. Compact on the outside, but still big enough on the inside to seat five and store all of your things. Not to mention the cool 8-inch touchscreen on your dash to help you get your work done. Learn more and pre-order the all-new Ford Maverick today at JimKFord.com. The Jim K. Ford Sends Nation Podcast. All right, so the Sens fall 5-2 to Tampa Bay. No shame in that. The Lightning are 35-11-6 and six on the year. The Sens fall to 19-28-5. And what a road trip this is. Like I was saying off the top, you'd think a travel agent put this together. So you start out in Tampa Bay. Then it is off to Florida. Then it's off to Arizona. Some pretty good golfing I hear in Arizona. That'll be on Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock Eastern. And then... Uh, Game four of the five games uh, road trip is in Vegas on Sunday evening. So, yeah, there's some trouble to be found there, I'd say. And it's unfortunate, I think, for some of the guys that they're a little under the weather uh, in between games. But uh, that's a pretty damn good road trip, no? 
Yeah, did you did you not? There was one shot uh, while Brady was lining up for a faceoff to, to, to take the draw, and the camera came in from behind. His neck looked a little red. Did you see? Oh. Did you catch that? And I didn't see. I'm thinking, oh, maybe Brady we got who was on the golf course or fell asleep on his stomach by the pool today or something. It looked like he had a <laughs> sunburn on the on the back of his neck. It was funny. Can't say I blame him. Um, yeah, so uh, as that uh, that Tampa Bay game came to a close, I got thinking to myself that even though the Sens got off to a great 2 nothing advantage early on, I think we can agree that's probably a much worse score for the Sens, if not for Matt Murray. He made some 10-bell saves for them tonight, and I just can't get over, and we've talked about this to death, but like, it's almost three months ago to the day that every team in the NHL could have picked this guy up. And for nothing, just pick up his contract. That's it. No compensation. He ends up clearing waivers, sent to the minors. And at the st- once he goes down to Belleville, there's not one tear in Ottawa shed about it. And uh, I'm really having a hard time understanding how all of that is possible when you see what this freaking guy looks like now. It's night and day, isn't it? Yeah, like, and every night, every game that's on, they they give you the stats before whatever date they pick some date, you know, like 12 games ago, it was this. And in the last 12 games, it's this. And and his goals against in the last, they put up the his stats uh, compared to Vasilevsky. Like his save percentage is the highest by an Ottawa Senator goaltender since like the 90s or something I saw today on the screen. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what happened. I don't know how he turned himself around. And you know what? I don't care. It's it's just really nice to see. I I feel for the guy. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that that feels happy for Pierre Dorian because it's justifying his decision, and, and and that makes me feel good. You know, the guy deserves a a plus, an attaboy once in a while, right? And and it's looking like Matt Murray has arrived, and if he could continue like this for the rest of the season, and really, there's no reason to think that he won't. Um, it. it, it it's going to look good, and next year will look good. I, I'm I'm just happy the guys arrived because I was one uh, pushing for it when he was available, and I was one who thought it was a good move when they got him, and I thought the contract was was okay. <laughs> I, I felt kind of bad that he wasn't performing, <laughs> you know. So uh, no, he looks good. Uh, we talk about it every show. Every show we say the same things. It's good to see. We're happy. I don't know if I'm sold, but I'm a very I'm very pleased with the way things have gone. Uh, I just can't ignore the last couple of years yeah. and the way he started. I'm going to need to see this when the Sens are still in the mix. Now, I want to see this guy show up when all is not lost because that's really when we've seen him play well. Late last season, played well. When the Sens blew themselves up in the first two months, goes down to the minus, comes back, games don't matter anymore, plays well. So I need to see it. I'm I'm, ex- I'm as excited as you. I don't want to throw cold water on this whole thing. It's fun, but I need to see this happen when it matters. But when you look at the last 10 games, to, I'll do that stat thing you were just talking about. Tonight, well, it's a bit of a wash, though I think the stats will lie in this one. Um, mm-hmm. they, he ends up allowing five goals, but he made a ton of good saves. But before that, the nine games prior, to give you a 10-game snapshot, here's a save percentage, 938 871 against St. Louis in that uh, loss. Um, then 946, 977, 970, 949, 931, 1,000, 909. Hello. It lost like four of them. That is correct, yeah. Still only uh, getting three wins out of that thing. Uh, he ends up losing, if you, if you count, 
overtime losses, he loses six of the uh, or seven of the ten. So he's not really getting much run support uh, from the no. rest of the guys. But glad to see that he seems to have turned it around. And we'll close it out today on the goaltending front. Another great goaltending prospect. The sense of no shortage of those. Levi Marilinen, congrats to him. He's the OHL Goalie of the Week for the second time this season. Three victories, a 1.33 goals against average, and a 9.48 save percentage. The Fronts are a pretty good team, but uh, that guy continues to be someone to keep an eye on. Yes, he looks good. Uh, yet another one, yet another goaltender who isn't necessarily considered to be a primo number one cream of the crop prospect, but... One of these guys has got to work out. In theory, yes. In theory, <laughs> you'd think so. Yeah, they all look real good right now, and uh, the future looks pretty good. Hopefully, they select the right guy moving forward because uh, this is just in. There's only one net in the game of hockey. Greg, we'll call it quits right there. Once again, the Sens fall 5 2 to the Tampa Bay Lightning. We appreciate you being here. Don't forget our website, sensnationhockey.com. Thank you for being with us. We'll talk to you next time. Good night, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you. <laughs> Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.